animals are a rich source of symbols for the unconscious to use in communicating with us since they have so many different qualities and characteristics that can be used to represent parts of ourselves. So how can we decipher why a dream chose a particular animal for us? From dreams of flying black cranes to beluga whales and lots of snakes, I'll show you how to make sense of the language of dreams. Hello, and welcome to The Stuff of Dreams. I'm your host, Amy Lawson, and my goal is to connect you with your dreams in a more fun and meaningful way so you can interpret the messages your unconscious is sending. So I'm going to be really honest. I thought about not putting out a podcast episode this week. Um, It's been a really rough week. Everything that's going on in the news, I mean, on top of the pandemic, we've got all of this civil disobedience and racial unrest. I live in San Francisco, so there's a lot of feeling about that around here. Um, There was some crime on our streets and some of the businesses near us are being boarded up and it's just all really upsetting and draining. And it feels hard to even admit that when from my place of privilege, I know that I don't have it nearly as hard as a lot of other people do. And I thought, you know, what am I doing (laughs) concentrating all this effort on a dream podcast right now? Well, I decided with the help of my very wise therapist (laughs) that this is important too in some way because we can't all be engaged 24-7 expending our mental energy on current events. I know I need a break. I have to tune out every day for certain periods of time. I have to rest and recuperate and regain my energy. And one of the ways I do that is by grounding myself in the realm of dreams. It doesn't seem like dreams should be grounding, but for me... They are. And spending time in this area really motivates me and fills me with more energy instead of leaving me drained. And so if this podcast can help anybody else zone out a little bit or at least change the channel and reconnect with their inner selves and their psyches in a way that strengthens their own relationship with their deeper self, then I think that's useful in the world, too. So. Hopefully this episode will be a welcome change for you from outer events to inner events. Today's theme is animal dreams, and while we're only going to cover three different kinds of animals today, I hope to show you how much information you can get from considering which animals are used in your dreams so that you can do your own research or email me to ask about your own dreams and really mine your dreams for information as fully as possible. So for today's lineup, we're going to do two dreams from Reddit. And then my friend Tamara Walker and I are going to have a conversation about one of her snake dreams and one of my snake dreams. Let's get right to the first dream. This one is from Reddit and as always used with permission from the dreamer. So last night I had a strange dream where I was at my previous place of employment, a big chain retail store, where a lot of us lost our jobs due to lack of business because of the ongoing pandemic. I was working the night shift, and as we were all leaving to drive home, I saw my car at the end of the lot, completely ransacked and torn apart. I turn around and start walking back towards the store. Then I start running, and soon I run past the store. As I'm going faster, I spread my arms out and they begin to turn into huge black wings. I ascend over the crest of a hill in the fields behind our store, and once on the other side I take off, completely transformed into a giant black crane. My dream ends with me soaring over the dew-covered fields, glistening in the moonlight as I fly home. What does all of this mean? It was so intense and vivid. Some background information, I'm female, 25, currently engaged, in college to hopefully become a nurse in about a year. 
Isn't this a beautiful dream? So to me, the three main images from the dream that we'll talk about are working in the big chain retail store, the ransacked car, and turning into a bird. So let's talk about the dream setting in geography first, because that's what we always do. Um, it's nighttime. And so that already puts us a little bit closer to the darkness and the unconscious. And the dreamer has just finished working the night shift at this big chain retail store where she used to work in real life. So what might that store be symbolizing? To me, the big chain retail stores are all about sameness and repeatable experiences and, you know, having the same inventory no matter where they are, looking a lot the same, functioning a lot the same. They're kind of the opposite of the small local mom and pop stores that can have much more variety. So to me, the working at the big chain retail store is kind of, could kind of be a symbol of the opposite of individuality, of just being a cog in the machine. And on top of that, in real life, this big chain store has laid off the dreamer because of the pandemic. So that lends another layer of disconnection and depersonalization to me. So she goes out to the parking lot at the end of her shift and she sees that her car has been completely ransacked and torn apart. So there are a couple of different ways to see cars in dreams. I often say that they symbolize our conscious ego, the part of us that drives us around, that we use to move around in the world and be seen. But there's also another group of dreams that pretty clearly show that cars can also represent our whole selves or our whole psyches. I'm not sure for this dream which meaning the car has or it could probably work on both levels, but some part of the dreamer is feeling ransacked and torn apart, whether that's her conscious ego or her whole psyche in this time of pandemic. So she turns away from the car, starts walking back toward the store, but then she starts running, picks up speed, and transforms into a giant black crane. So even right there, literally in the dream, the dream shows that it's about transformation because she's transforming from a human into this black crane figure. And instead of being stuck on the ground or in this big store or stuck, you know, driving a car around in two dimensions on the earth, she's able to you know, fly up into the sky. She's able to move in three dimensions. She's able to go up and have a bigger picture view. She's able to go up and be closer to the moon and see the landscape and the moonlight. So it's definitely this feeling of transforming into something different. The dream could be saying that she's already transforming, that she's already in the process of that, or it could be you know, showing her the potential or the possibility for that. But either way, this seems like a really positive dream. She mentions in her post that she's studying to become a nurse, so that's definitely a form of transformation, and there may be other possibilities or avenues for transformation that she's dealing with right now as well. Now, since this is an episode on animal dreams, I want to focus on her unconscious's choice of the black crane and really try to get a little bit more meaning out of that. I'm not an expert on animals, but when I thought about cranes at first, I know that they tend to live near wetlands, so they tend to live near water. And since we know that water is a symbol of the unconscious, it seems like a crane is an interesting choice for 
an animal of transformation since it has that close relationship with the water. Then I had to do a little more digging to learn some more things about cranes and their habits and what might be relevant here. But I think you all could do that too. I mean, what I did, I I have a couple of books on animal symbolism too, but the first thing I did was I turned to Wikipedia. And if you read about an animal, even somewhere basic like Wikipedia, with an open mind for kind of the symbolic meaning of the literal details there, a lot of times you can glean important things. For instance, the Wikipedia article was differentiating cranes from herons because apparently they're sort of related. And I read one detail that just immediately clicked to me as probably important. Apparently, cranes fly with their necks outstretched, not pulled back like herons do. And that's how some bird watchers can know what's what when they're up in the air. But think about that symbol of flying with your neck out versus your neck in. You know, to me, um, birds that are flying with their neck in, that's kind of a more hunched, kind of a more protected body language. Whereas cranes flying with their necks outstretched seems courageous. It seems carefree. It seems like I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I'm going to fly with my neck outstretched and my head held high. Just seems like an even clearer picture of strength in transformation to me. So hopefully you can start to develop that skill of looking at things in a little bit of a soft focus, looking at, you know, facts and details related to things from your dreams in a way that you can see the symbol or the metaphor in them too. That's why I was including that example for you. A few other things about cranes. They were sacred birds to certain goddesses from different cultures, almost always goddesses, so they do seem to have a feminine connotation. Some cultures see them as omens, either good or bad. They seem to be important in several different Asian cultures. Apparently, There are some styles of Chinese Kung Fu that are based on the movements of cranes because they're very fluid and graceful. So that's interesting. And then one connection that I didn't initially make, but then was kicking myself that I didn't realize it is origami cranes, paper cranes. You know, that's one of the things when you get into origami, that's one of the first things you learn how to make. You've probably seen things on social media or heard stories about people folding a thousand paper cranes for some reason or some person or some cause to bring good fortune and longevity. So cranes can have many different meanings, but they're mostly positive. So just to review, we talked about that they can be symbols of transformation, symbols of strength and confidence. They can be omens. They can be symbols of goddesses of graceful fluid movement or of good fortune and longevity. So there you go. If you ever dream about a crane, hopefully some of those will stick for you. And the other thing I asked about this dream was why would the crane be black? I don't think in real life there are any cranes that are all black, at least not in my quick search that I could find. And so to me, the fact that this dream is at night, less lit up, and the bird is black, might mean that this transformation isn't going to be all white, all bright, all light, all goodness and an easy path. It might mean that there's going to be some dark parts of it. But clearly the dreamer still is going to have that power of flight to get larger, to transform into this crane and be able to fly up and look at the nighttime landscape and see a broader view. So... That's what I made of the dream, and that's what I sent her. And the response I got was, 
Wow, that was a beautiful and insightful interpretation. Thank you. Every few months I seem to have dreams like this, always with so much symbolism, and I never know what any of it could mean. This one really stuck with me, and I just had to know what it was all about, so thanks again. I think this was a very clear interpretation as to what may be going on just beneath the surface in these strange times. So, happy to help. If any of you have had a dream recently that feels really important, but you haven't been able to make any sense of it yet, feel free to email it to me at stuffofdreamspodcast at gmail.com, and I'll take a stab at it. All right, on to our next dream. Here it is. So last night, I kept having almost the same dream over and over, but some details would vary. I'm a 26-year-old female, if it helps. I kept dreaming that I was asleep in my room, but it wasn't in my apartment. At first, it was in a colonial farmhouse that I was really excited to be renovating, and I had a bodyguard watching over me while my boyfriend wasn't with me. And someone broke into the house and was breaking and stealing everything. My bodyguard told me to hide in a certain spot, and they would get me when it was clear. I heard some gunshots, and within a few minutes, my bodyguard was back with the cops. They said the guy got away, but I should be fine. They walked me throughout the house so I could see the damage. The thief took the new light bulbs I had bought, smashed all the counters and cabinets that I was going to tear out, stole all my new supplies I needed to renovate, some electronics, but left the family china and silver alone. I then go back to bed in my dream after making sure all the doors and windows were locked and secure. I wake up to the guy being back again. My bodyguard was able to get him this time, but was also shot in the process. And in between this dream, I had a small dream about a beluga whale outside my place when I stood on a balcony and it was doing tricks for me. Then the robbery dream would start back up, but the house would always change. And then it went from bodyguard to my boyfriend and from my boyfriend shooting the robber to me shooting him. End of dream. Okay, so she's renovating a farmhouse and then it gets broken into and robbed. And then the thief comes back and various people are responsible for shooting the thief. And in between the dreams, interludes with a beluga whale. So let's take each of these images in turn. I like the opening image of renovating a farmhouse. She says it was a colonial farmhouse she was excited to be renovating. So we've talked many times about how houses often represent our whole psyches. And so the fact that she is in the process of renovating a farmhouse and excited about it tells me that there's probably some inner work or transformation going on right now for her, renovation of her mind, or that she has the potential for that happening in the near future. But she's feeling a bit unsafe about it too, because she either has a bodyguard or a boyfriend watching over her. So she's feeling the need for a a masculine or protective presence. There are probably some more masculine, aggressive, protective parts of her psyche that are kind of running interference and trying to protect her while these inner renovations happen. So then she gets robbed. And afterward, walking through the house to look at the damage, she notices that the thief took the new light bulbs that she had bought. And I find that an interesting image because light bulbs are illuminating. They're what bring light to us. They allow us to be able to see well enough to do things, to complete projects, to to exist inside when there's no natural light. And so that detail of the thief taking these light bulbs to me is an image of her being robbed of energy, of illumination, of the ability to see clearly. She's feeling that her ability to see clearly is somehow being threatened. 
The thief also smashed all the counters and cabinets. And to me, counters and cabinets are places where we organize, right? They're places where we store things, where we organize them, where we hopefully know where to look to find what we need. And so the thief destroying these storage and organization systems is just another image of how this renovation is a little bit chaotic somehow, how this inner work or transformation that she's doing is throwing off her inner sense of organization. But interestingly, the thief leaves her the family china and the family silver and doesn't steal those. And that's interesting because those things would theoretically be worth a lot of money. But the fact that she still owns these connections to her family, connections to the past, connections to her heritage, these expensive resources that connect her with her ancestors seems important. Like no matter how much destruction has happened in the house, no matter how much she renovates, she still has those connections with her family and the past. So then she thinks she's in the clear. She goes back to bed after locking all the doors and windows, but the guy comes back again. And here's where the dream starts to change with each iteration. Sometimes it's the bodyguard that's able to catch him, but the bodyguard gets shot. Sometimes it's that the bodyguard does catch him. Sometimes it's that the boyfriend catches him or is able to shoot him. And then finally, in the last instances of the dream, it's the dreamer herself who catches and shoots the robber. So if you listen to the recurring dreams episode, you'll know that it's really important when dreams repeat themselves, but small details change over time. And to be honest, I don't think I thought about that very much with this dream when I sent her my interpretation. But later I was reading some other people's comments on the dream and they pointed out something that I had missed. So again, everybody has a different slant to bring to a dream and different people will pick up on different details. So I'm really grateful to this interpreter because they pointed out that the progression of the dream was from people who were really far away from the dreamer being the ones who actually shot the robber and protected her to someone a little closer, her boyfriend doing it, to her being able to defend the house herself. And that does really seem like an important progression where somehow she's um, maybe she's integrating those more protective aspects of her that were represented by the bodyguard and then the boyfriend. And she's kind of assimilating those abilities so that by the end of the night, she's able to kill off the robber herself. And in her responses to that person, she said that that's when the dream finally ended, when she had it three times in a row where she was able to shoot the robber herself. And so I wonder where in her life right now that dynamic is going on where she's relying on other people for protection or for support or for help when really her unconscious is trying to tell her that she needs to take back that authority and do it herself. And then in between these dreams were almost little interludes with the beluga whale where she's standing on a balcony and the beluga whale in the ocean is doing tricks for her almost trying to entertain her or reassure her. And so that's why I include it in this Animal Dreams episode, because a beluga whale seems like a really good symbol as well. So it's a water creature. It's an animal in the ocean. We know that water often symbolizes the unconscious. So this is some kind of borderland animal for her that can exist you know, in this area between land and sea and also can exist in this area between air and underwater and can 
interact with her and communicate with her in that space. So it seems like a, an important psychological figure for protection and communicating with the unconscious. And the whale does seem to be taking her out of her situation for a bit, giving her a break in between these harrowing episodes of robbery and feeling threatened and having to shoot someone. So what else can whales represent? Well, whales are very intelligent. They are communal animals. They're social. They do communicate. Seems like scientists are learning more and more about how advanced some species of whales are in their group dynamics and their communication. And so this has a very different feeling than if she said, you know, some little lake trout was jumping around and entertaining her. You know, like this is a much larger presence. It's a much more advanced presence. It's a more intelligent presence. Seems like it would be an even more useful ally that way. And why a beluga whale and not a different kind of whale? I don't know. Um, But beluga whales are white, They're very light in color compared to a lot of other whales. And so that might just be reinforcing the fact that this is a light, bright, good, useful character. Um, If you look up pictures of beluga whales, they often look like they're smiling. You know, they have their mouths open and they just look nice and cheerful. I once got to pet a beluga whale on the head and they have this thing on their skull that's called a melon but it's like this really squishy part of the top of their head. It feels like marshmallows. It felt really interesting and I loved it. But apparently it's used for their more complicated communication because they can make a lot of different noises with it underwater because it's so soft and distensible somehow. I don't really know the science behind that, but um, it seems like a beluga whale is a symbol of kindness and protection and communication and just an ally. So I really like that image. And the dreamer did mention to me in her replies that she often dreams about whales when she's having a hard time because she finds they bring her a lot of comfort. Um, She says the whale was very friendly and funny and kind, like it was trying to distract me from the scare I had. It reminds me of myself and how I act for everyone else when they're going through a hard time. So that's really nice that, you know, sometimes your unconscious can give you a figure that it knows you need even more than you may consciously know. it's time to hear from a guest. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Tamara Walker, who is one of my dearest friends. I met her at my depth psychology school, and we are both fellow dream enthusiasts. So welcome to the program. Thank you, Amy. Okay, so I know you brought a good dream for us. So let's go. Go ahead. Fantastic. Thank you. I just had this dream just last week. I'm a PhD student, and I've been assigned two women who are my advisors. One is quite thin, with sandy shoulder-length hair, and the other seems larger, with thick hair. One advisor is temporary and might be leaving soon, but they're both really good. They've been advisors for a long time, and they really know what they're doing. My PhD proposal is about these two snakes that live somewhere else, perhaps in the wild or maybe a zoo. We discussed doing a study on these two snakes, and one of the women thinks we should bring these snakes onto campus and care for them for the study, but she says the other woman is going to be worried about that because of what it takes to care for snakes. 
In the next scene, I'm standing in an entry hall and I'm talking on the phone, but it's like the old phones we used to have that had cords and an earpiece and a microphone. I'm standing in this foyer with all these phones in my hands, maybe five. The PhD advisor I've been talking to is supposed to be talking to the other one, but I end up talking directly to the second PhD advisor to try to explain to her what we're thinking about the snakes. She's concerned about taking care of the snakes as we expected, but I tell her I'm a veterinarian and that I have a lot of knowledge caring for animals and I can use my veterinary skills. So I don't think it's going to be difficult to take care of the snakes in the particular way that we need to. Then I'm back in the dorm, which is made up of institutional buildings in the middle of a large field. I'm new on campus and don't have any real food. At my old campus, it's easy to just run down the street and get food. But when I ask someone if there's somewhere I can go to get some takeout Chinese food, they seem confused and say, I can, but no one really does that. I ask how long it will take for me to drive to get the food, and I learn it will take 18 minutes one way. I decide I don't have time for that, and I don't want to do it. In the next scene, I'm at a grocery store buying things, but the store is quite strange, and you can only move in one direction. At one point, I go to a special section that's being managed by lots of people who look like they're helping, but what they're really doing is making sure we don't steal stuff and that the grocery store gets what it needs. The shopping cart in that section is controlled by magnets or something that makes it really heavy and hard to push. So it can only move really slowly. People are supposed to help me as I'm trying to push my cart, but they really don't. As I get to the end and start to check out, I realize I forgot to go to the frozen food section. I don't have any milk and I don't really have what I need. I wake up wondering if I'm going to go through the whole shopping process again and get what I need or if I'm just going to go without. Okay, so just to break it up for everybody, this dream is kind of in four scenes. So let's just reiterate those so that we can um, refer back to them. So the first one is about the plan to care for the for the snakes. The second scene is about the phone call and convincing the, the advisors to do that. The third one is about wanting to go get Chinese food. And the fourth one is in the supermarket. Is that okay for shorthand? That's, yeah, that sounds perfect. Yes. I picked this dream of yours to be on this Animal Dreams podcast because snakes are so prevalent. When I read dreams on Reddit, there's always dreams of snakes. So hopefully we will get to some things that will help other people with their dreams too. But mm. so I don't know. So this part kind of echoes life in a certain way, right? Because you are starting to think about your PhD dissertation. So what, what are you thinking about that first section? Yeah, I um, was definitely right in the middle of um, my PhD proposal. So there's a lot of things about this that are real life. And um, I do actually have two people who are advising me right now. Uh, it felt pretty real to life. So the, the snakes part was really exciting to me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think that in depth psychology, I think we get kind of excited about dreaming about snakes. Yes, I know. <laughs> People are always like, it's terrible. I'm dreaming about snakes. And I'm like, no, it's great. You don't understand. You know, for your listeners, I was a veterinary surgeon for almost 20 years and I've done this switch and it's a really difficult, it's a big change. And I have done a complete switch. So I'm not, I haven't done any veterinary surgery for three years. 
And there was something really amazing about being at this moment where I have to figure out what I'm going to write about, which turns out to be really, really hard for me to have veterinary medicine show up in this way where I'm taking care of snakes. It felt so good. Like the dream was really being supportive of the direction I was trying to go. My experience is I have a really hard time learning about the specifics of my own dreams. And so I'm excited to be here on the podcast because mostly I feel like, oh, wow, that was cool. (laughs) I know. I've been trying to convince (laughs) people about how like we all need to have friends we can talk about our dreams with because sometimes they can see things that you're too close to that you can't really see right Yeah. And you guys see why we're friends, right? We're both like crazy doctor types who all of a sudden (laughs) took the opposite direction and went into the land of dreams and the unconscious. I don't think there's a lot of people like us around. So um, I'm not sure if that makes us special or crazy or maybe both. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That sounds good. Yeah. So the two snakes has a connection to veterinary and the symbol too, right? I think we've talked about that before. The caduceus is two snakes that wrap around each other that come from Hermes that um, is a symbol, but it's it's different from the symbol of medicine, which is one snake with Asclepius. So these are two different ways of looking at medicine. Why do you think it was two snakes instead of one? Or do you think that has any meaning? What do you think? I really think it has a lot of meaning. Two snakes, I think that it is much more about depth psychology Mm. than about medicine. Because when I think of two, I do think of the caduceus, at least of the two snakes as as balance, you know, or as opposites or as doubles or as two ends of a spectrum or something. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. And they, I, you know, I did a little bit of reading about that because of this dream. And they represent this idea in um, depth psychology, the transcendent function. So because they come together and then they come apart and they come together and then they come apart. And so there's sort of this like idea of solving problems on another level. And also they remind me of the DNA strand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have kind of like an elemental thing about them. And because snakes represent sort of the instinct, but really all sorts of things around mother and earth. Uh, It's an image that feels much more um, animal-oriented or earth-oriented than medicine-oriented. Yeah, because medicine is so up in your head, but then, you know, snakes live along the ground or even underground. And so above ground is like conscious, underground can be like the unconscious or at least about the earth and the more basic, more primitive forces that can come from that. So I think that the snake is kind of an animal that can help us link consciousness with unconscious or with the earth. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say there, I think. Two snakes to me seems like a really kind of a big deal, actually. Yeah, I like that idea of them as the helix and the DNA of your proposal of your PhD as well. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have to bring in like snakes are transformation in a way, not only because you said the transcendent third and two making something else, but just the fact that they shed their skins and transform themselves and become new in a way again. Yeah, they're that really most basic image of rebirth in depth psychology. So yeah, I think that's a pretty good analysis of that first part then. Your PhD is going to be about these two snakes that you want to bring onto campus to care for. And they have these connotations of 
DNA in the bones of your proposal. They have connotations of bringing together life and knowledge. They have connotations of medicine in a way, of transformation and transcendence. Any other flavors you want to add to that? I think in terms of the dream, what I find really interesting is this idea that uh, I wasn't sure where they came from. You know, maybe they were from the wild or from the zoo. But um, this idea of caring for them through my veterinary skills, it just feels so rich, so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that makes sense because as Tamara said, she hasn't done veterinary surgery in three years. And I don't know, you've kind of had a complicated relationship with it, wanting to be totally away and then not knowing if you were going to get back or use it in any way. So I do love that this is showing up again now. Yeah, I'm starting to feel a lot better about just medicine and surgery and what it offers and be really proud of what I did Versus by the time I left, I was just really burned out and tired. So there has been a transformation for me in terms of how I view both medicine itself and my own contribution. I think that there is a real healing in this for me personally, just having these snakes come back now. Yeah, even more transformation to come. (laughs) That's a little scary, though, you know. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) That's too ominous. Okay, yeah. How many skins are you going to have to shed in the process? Right, how many skins? Yeah. Okay, now let's bring in the aspect of your two advisors, because the one advisor is pretty sure that the other one's going to be really hesitant about having the snakes on campus. And then the second part of the dream is about contacting them. So um, what do you want to talk about first, the, the hesitancy or the telephones? I haven't really thought about the hesitancy at all. So let's talk about that. Okay. Well, I just I thought it was interesting that one of the advisors seems more into it than the other. It's kind of like you're going to have to talk somebody into using these old skills that you have or something like they weren't just going to assume that you could do it. You were going to have to make a case for it somehow. Yeah, it's interesting because the convincing part is like, I feel pretty sure I feel pretty comfortable that I can take care of these snakes. So, yeah. So it's almost like standing up to other people's doubt of you or standing up to some little part of you that is doubting this is the right thing or something, even though it seems like your main ego consciousness knows that you can use your skills to do this. Yeah, I do definitely have a doubting part. There is a part of me, the doctor part of me that sometimes says, what are you doing? And so I think that voice is getting quieter. But yeah, so I think that sounds really right on. Yeah. And then I also like to concentrate on parts of the dream that seem particularly strange or like they wouldn't happen in real life. So this image of you having like five phones in your hand is very interesting to me. Why do you think you need so many communication devices to talk to these people? Yeah, the image really reminds me of this image of me talking on the phone. There's a photo of me. My family lives in Southern Africa. And growing up, we used to talk on the phone to my grandparents. And it was very dissatisfying because there was a long delay and there was an echo and you know you it was really difficult to call and not like it is today and so there's something about this that I feels like there's something that's reaching back in time like the communication is actually communicating with another part of myself or like an ancestral part or 
I also thought about the game of telephone that you used to play, you know, where you would whisper something in someone's ear and you go around the circle and see how much the message changed. And so I thought about, I mean, yes, you're the one that was holding all of these phones. But in the end, even though it was supposed to be a little bit of a game of telephone with you telling the first advisor and the first advisor telling the second advisor, you ended up cutting out the middleman in the dream and just talking to the second advisor yourself. And so I don't know, there was something in that about cutting through all those steps where your communication could lose clarity and, you know, talking to her yourself. I don't, does that, does that click at all? It it certainly gives me hope because right now I feel like I'm just in a big mess and um, trying to communicate clearly is just so difficult. Trying to use words to communicate my ideas. It just seems like such a difficult thing to do right now. And so that image actually is really accurate for how I actually feel today after yes, last night. When I was just in this big mess, I had all of these books everywhere and papers everywhere. And I'm trying to like write something coherent and I absolutely can't. So it, that is so interesting because I had that dream, you know, a while ago, but it is so perfect. And I think that it, that idea of like getting to that place where you can just say directly what you mean and have that direct communication is maybe going to be like the thing I hold on to. <laughs> Yeah. One of Jung's favorite questions was, you know, what conscious attitude is this dream compensating? So maybe this dream with its eventual clarity of communication Mm -hmm. was compensating your, you know, more conscious attitude of what am I trying to say? Am I being clear enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really, really nice. It's not clear in the dream, like how I'm actually talking on them. Like, am I trying to talk on all at the same time? Or like, have I got one on? So it's definitely an image of chaos and everything crossing and all that. So I, 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 that really resonates. Well, yeah, because again, the end of that scene is not only do you tell her clearly about your ideas, but you convince her that you can take care of these snakes. It's going to be fine. You're qualified and it's not going to be as bad as she thinks. That seems like a really positive image of like owning your own authority and your inner strengths. Even if you haven't been using them in a structured way for veterinary medicine, you can use them to take care of your dissertation metaphorically. I like that. Yeah. And you know, this doubling too, if something shows up as two, it indicates that it's coming close to consciousness. Okay, so then the next part was the part about access to food and wanting to go get takeout Chinese food, but it was going to take too long. Just in general, I think of food as like sustenance and nourishment, but I'm not sure what to make of the Chinese food and the distance from it. So what are you thinking about that? Yeah, I, you know, Chinese food in a way is like a generic for me for takeout. So what's important is it's not home cooked, made just for you lovingly by a family or something. Yeah. Because it seems like even if you're at school and you're in a dorm, like the cafeteria is supposed to have food and feed you and the school should nourish you both physically and metaphorically. So the fact that you're having to get takeout instead seems like an interesting commentary. And I think that it could also be that that it's not really the school that's nourishing me. That That's what I sort of felt the strongest about this part of the dream was that I do find ways to get what I need, or at least there's questions. Do I have what I need? Do I have to go back? I've got what I need in terms of like the basics, but I'm not really getting 
the nourishment. To be honest, I think that because of where I come from, because I'm an animal person and psychology isn't really typically animal oriented, that I do feel a little bit like an alien and that finding people who resonate with that part of me has not been, I think there's a a sort of a missing piece for me uh, that I'm trying to find. Okay, so that makes sense with, you know, you ask the people if you could go get takeout food and they seemed confused and were like, well, you can, but people don't Mm -hmm. usually do that. They don't usually need to. And so, yeah, then that seems like an image of you needing something a little bit different than other people or prioritizing it differently or needing a little bit different kind of nourishment. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, that makes that make sense in a way that I just had not been able to see that at all. Yeah, totally. Okay, I love the final scene in the grocery store with the cart that's hard to push and the foods that you've forgotten. I just, this is really rich imagery to me. So again, we've got food, right? So the last one you were thinking about getting takeout food, now you're more directly in the grocery store buying food for yourself. Yeah, you know, and you're really helping me so much because that idea of needing takeout and then moving in, you know, how dreams really show you where you're at. And then you sort of start to give you some clues about where you might be going. And this idea that I'm actually going to be able to find my own nourishment, you know, going to a grocery store is about, you know, finding your own food and being able to nourish yourself and to make your choices around what you do or don't get. And, And moving from being in class into writing your dissertation means I do actually have to get my own food. And the the one-way carts, it's also giving this the sense, this is not going to be very easy. There's going to be sort of people in my way and people are trying to get their own thing out of it and the cart's going to be really heavy. So I, I think the dream is also saying, you know, like if I was thinking that this was going to be easy, I, I should really probably rethink it. I think there's also a little part of you that, that sometimes tends to rail against the regimented, you have to go this one way too. Oh, I don't know if you have that nice. feeling in the dream, but you're just someone who likes to have so much scope for everything and your brain just goes in all these directions and images in ways that my extroverted thinking brain just isn't able to do. And so that's something else I thought about with that part. That is just so beautiful. Yet I had not put that together at all with the grocery store. Okay, then when you get to the checkout, you realize that you didn't go to the frozen food and you also don't have any milk. So again, those are two kind of specific details that you remember. So I like to try to make something of those. What do you think about not having the frozen stuff or the milk? Yeah, the frozen is interesting because frozen means a couple of different things. Frozen food is good for later. It also feels like it's not that important to forget the frozen Hmm. food. It just strikes me as something that you can totally go back and get later and put in the freezer, you know, like that that it's not super time sensitive, that it'll be available later or something. Because you're just at the start of thinking about your dissertation proposal. Like, I don't think you're expected to have all the kitchen ingredients to do the (laughs) alchemy of your (laughs) dissertation yet. This is your first trip to the store. You're going to make many more. I don't know. That's just my feeling. Oh, you're helping so much. I think that the sense that even you're asking the question, "Ah, do I really want to go back and get it means, ah, you know, I don't really need these things. Milk is a really, of course, a completely different, it's almost like it's like the opposite, right? It's the thing that it uh, 
doesn't keep for very long. And it is the thing that drives you back. It drives me back to the grocery store. It turns out not milk, but I love half and half in my coffee. It's like the thing that I go to the grocery store for. It's the thing we run out of and then, okay, I'm ready. Gotta go. Also, it's linked, of course, to mother and animal and mammal. Um, feels like just very Jungian, you know, very depth psychological. Like, oh, well, yeah. I need maybe some more of that. More mother. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We, we did a lot with that. I like it. So I think we really kind of stayed with the dreams progress, right? I mean, the early stages of it were about bringing these snakes and these ideas of richness and transformation and connection to your past into your proposal. And the second part was about communication and being able to kind of own your authority. And the, the last parts were about nourishing yourself while you're while you're doing this and reminding you of ways that might be important for that. I don't know. How would you sum this up? Maybe you should sum no, up your dream, no, not me. No, you've done just a beautiful <laughs> job. Really, the more I pay attention to this, the more I see it's real, is the beginning of the dream is often saying something about where you've come from, you know, where you're past. The middle of the dream is really, a, most of the dream, I think, is a statement about where you're at. And then that very last little tale of the dream is telling you, where you where you're ready to go and um this dream seems like it's so beautifully demonstrating that it's just so interesting to deepen into these things you guys can probably um hear that tamara and i could go for another hour on this dream if we if we allowed ourselves to but but we won't okay any final words you want to say about that dream or just the idea of dreaming about two snakes at this particular moment in my life and how that feels and how just the dream itself feels like it's nourishing me in this moment um it's just uh, I I think that's what I feel the most is how when you kind of get to a place where you do for me having a, a relationship with dreaming has more and more become a way that I feel I'm being supported by another, from another place in my life. And this dream feels like it did that for me. Mm. Well said. Yes, that's, I think that's what I love about dreams. And that's what I want to convince more people of is that we have this amazing inner source of wisdom that for many people is really untapped. But I've built a relationship with mine where I really trust it more than external input sometimes because I'm just starting to believe it really does have my best interests at heart. Can I ask, can I get your opinions on a part of, of my snake dream since we're in the oh world goodness, of snake dreams? Oh how exciting. I would love to hear. Last episode, I did not make them listen to any of my own dreams, so they should have known that this episode we were going to do it. Okay, here's my dream. So I wrote in my dream journal for this dream that I had it after going to bed feeling like, how in the world am I going to get through this pandemic? I wish I could just still repress all my true feelings. So that's the attitude that I went to bed with. And I had this dream. I'm supposed to meet two people for lunch. One is a doctor colleague and he cancels. The other is a friend from the neighborhood and she keeps telling me that she's coming. But an hour later, I'm still waiting for her. I'm driving a big black SUV, ready to pull out and follow her when she comes, but she doesn't come. Another friend comes to check on me, and we just park our cars to wait. We lay down on the grass, and it feels lumpy beneath my back. 
I look down and see a tiny, maybe six inches long, green-black snake on my hand. My instinct is to get it off, and I shake my hand and rip the snake off, but my non-reflex thoughts all want to take care of the snake, and I feel so guilty about my initial reaction, and I start crying and say, grieving, I killed it, I killed it. Then I see where it fell, and it slowly slithers away, so it's not dead. I lift my back off the ground a little to reposition myself, and I feel the lumps underneath me move. Now I'm terrified because I know I'm laying on some sort of big reptile creatures like big lizards or something. I want to reach beneath me and pull them out and fling them away, but I'm afraid they'll bite or hurt me. I want to sit up and get off them, but I'm afraid that then they'll swarm me and I wake up scared. Mm. So I'm supposed to be connecting with people over a meal, but neither of them shows up. And I'm driving a big black SUV, which I think often cars represent our conscious ego, the part of us that gets us around. And so the fact that it's a huge black SUV is not very in character for me and may mean that I'm too much in my ego or having too big of an ego somehow is partly what I made of that part. But the part I'm really interested in is the the snakes and the reptiles, right? So I lay down and I see this little snake, which... In real life, I've owned a green snake before. I like snakes as long as I know they're not poisonous or something. But when I see it on my hand, my instinct before I can even think is just to like shake it, get it off, get it away from me. And then the slower thoughts kick in of I'm so guilty. I killed it. I didn't want to kill it. But then I realize I didn't. So more snakes. One snake. A little yeah. snake. Oh, what a rich, what a rich dream. Um, remind me at the beginning, is it, were you meeting for lunch? It, it feels like just, I mean, coming out of our, my, the discussion with my dream, you know, talking about food and transformation and snakes. So again, we're linking snakes with food and food is just such a great image for a way that, you know, chemically you transform something and then become something else, but it's really important. So, and snakes as an image of transformation too, where we're transforming the idea of like something instinctual into something that is more integrated or we're kind of more able to process it. So this just feels like such a great dream about just like the most elemental parts of who we are. Um, I want to just say about the the big SUV, I've also heard vehicles called the, the conscious self or the whole self which is an interesting in this dream. I'm not sure that that couldn't be also something to play with. Does that feel like that could be anything? I think it probably could work on either level, actually, because whether I'm talking about it's my ego or my whole self, I was worried. I think I was consciously worried that the pandemic was going to be asking too much of me, Mm -hmm. that I was going to need to be too big, either as a person or an ego or something. I didn't know what it was going to demand of me. And so maybe that's why I was driving this huge SUV to compensate for my feelings of insufficiency or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm also thinking about it in terms of, you know, this snake and its representation of the unconscious and kind of that the dream is, is working with that part of you uh and then the image of the snake is just so amazing the um the little snake that is the image of the unconscious and is the image of instinct and then it's your own instinct that flips it off it's so quick to go no you can't get away from that stuff like you can't you know you can't flick it off you can't kill it 
instinct is, but so yeah, does that, does that resonate? Yeah. The snake, I I like that duality that you brought in of the snake being a representation of instinct and then drawing out my instinct. I totally had not thought about that wrinkle before. And I like staying in that world and thinking about the snake as a connection to the unconscious because that gives this dream another layer. I was being a little more precise with it, which my former therapist always told me I needed to expand a little bit. So this is good. And we always talk about how dreams have multiple layers. Um, so the the more precise way I was thinking about this dream, just add something else, which actually we didn't talk about when we were talking about your snakes, but snakes also have a connection to healing because the ancient Greek god of healing was Asclepius and the snake was a sacred animal to him. The temples where he was worshipped and where people went to for healing healing often had snakes in them, either directly in them or underneath them in a labyrinth. And people believed that they had these healing properties because they came from below and the unconscious and whatever. So I've done a lot of work with the snake as a representation of, of healing as well. And so I was thinking that this snake also represented my divided attitudes toward medicine itself of We're getting to be a pandemic. Get it off. Get it off. I don't want to be a doctor in the time of a pandemic. What is going to be asked of me? This is freaking me out. Like my instinct was just run away. You are not trained for this. And then my slower processing of no, no, you need to care about this snake. Oh, no, I might have killed it. I feel grief. I didn't want to make it suffer. And so there was that dichotomy in my attitudes, too, that I thought about. Yeah. And that rings so true in terms of also like that conscious mind going, no, I'm a doctor and I need to do this and I've trained for this and I can do this. And yet I I think that what I just think is so incredible about dreams is the way that they give often at minimum three messages, uh, just depending on how you look at it. And like that sort of superficial in the world, almost always it's really accurate, but then the underneath part, can you tell me a little bit more about these creatures? All I know is that I can feel these hard lumps under me like moving. So they feel like lizards or maybe even like something with exoskeletons or something because I just feel them with my back. I don't know how big they are. I don't know what they want with me. So how did you end up on them? My friend and I just laid down on the grass. It, it didn't seem like we were on anything at the time. It just seemed like it was the ground. Because I think that's also like it's just such a really interesting image in terms of the resilience of the instinctual or the, um, you know, the unconscious or however we want to, whatever these creatures are, because you have this fear, you flip the snake off and you're afraid you've killed it. But now you've got your whole body on top of these things. And but they've got exoskeletons. They're fine. You know, there's not sort of this worry that it's funny how the dream takes that fear and turns it around because you're afraid before that you're afraid that you've hurt the snake that you've somehow killed it and I think it's telling you no no this isn't how this works (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to worry about killing that you know the fear now it flips you know you've got this fear of of killing the snake that somehow you've done something that's you know hurt it but the dream is answering that question saying no actually you don't have to worry about that at all in fact it might be better for you to worry about yourself (laughs) Absolutely. No, that's all very, that's all clicking very much to me. Yes. Hmm. See, it's like when you can have real back and forth conversations about this stuff, just stuff comes up that you don't necessarily think of. And yep, I love it. Okay. To end my interviews, I like to ask 
the same question of people. I like to ask what's real because I'm trying to recapture the idea of reality into the world of dreams. I think that dreams messages to us are real and that we shouldn't treat dreams as pretend or imaginary because they're representing a dream reality as well. So Tamara, what's real? What's really real is I also am doing dream work in the world and um, in a really different way. So I am doing it with just small groups of people on Zoom where we uh, talk as a group about one or two dreams. And it used to happen in my home, but now, of course, it's not because of COVID. And the richness of what it feels like to meet people, even though it's across technology, how heart connected I feel to people through their dreams and talking about dreams. And so that feels really, really real to me right now. Thank you. I like that image. Thank you. And thanks for coming on to talk about your dream and my dream and hopefully make other people brave to come on and talk about their dreams. Yeah, thank you, Amy. All right, that's the show for this week. In the next episode, we'll look at some very simple dreams and some dreams where a single image communicates a ton of meaning, showing us how important small details can be. Head on over to my website at stuffofdreams.fireside.fm to find show notes for each episode where I summarize the dream interpretation principles we discuss each week. You can also find links there to my favorite dream interpretation book, our subreddit, and my email for sending in your dreams. Thanks so much for listening, and if you liked it, I encourage you to tell a friend about it this week. Let's get more people fluent in the language of dreams. Bye for now, and I hope you dream tonight.